Good morning. Welcome to worship. Hey, come on up. We got some time for young folk up here. Yeah, come on down. Come on. There's candy. I'm going to I'm going to keep asking you. I'm going to keep inviting you. And you know why? Because it's a part of our Bible lesson for today. You see Jesus asks and invites people to come into the vineyard to work. Now, anybody here know what a vineyard is? You don't know what a vineyard is? Do you know what a vineyard is? Do you know what a vineyard is? Do you know what a vineyard is? You don't know what a vineyard is? Oh my goodness. Wow, what are they teaching you in school these days? Well, if you lived in Italy, you would know what a vineyard is. If you lived in Northern California, you'd know what a vineyard is. If you lived in Washington State, you'd know what a vineyard is because this is an image of a vineyard. It's like a big place where there's grape vines. A vine, you know what a vine is? Yeah, that's, those are grape vines. Yeah, sure, you don't want to come up. I'm going to keep inviting you because that's what Jesus does. And he keeps on inviting because at the, at the third hour he came up and he invited more. And at the ninth hour he came and invited more. And the eleventh hour he came and invited more. I'm going to keep inviting you. Come on up. Yes. And Jesus invites us to work in. This is God's vineyard. Okay. A vineyard. Did you know that in God's world, in God's understanding of a vineyard, a vineyard means that it's some place where things grow and things uh, like grapes grow and they produce. And then we get, you know, you, you, you all know what grapes are, right? How do you like your grapes? Do you like them frozen? Do you like, my wife, she loves to take the grapes. She brings them home. She picks them all off. She puts them in a bowl and she puts them in the freezer. Then she sits there and just eats frozen grapes. Yeah, we got some frozen grape lovers. I like to eat them fresh. You know, I take them, just pluck them right off the little, little branch, the little vine. Yeah. But you know, in Jesus' world, in Jesus' world, the whole world is God's vineyard. That's right. And you and I are a part of this wonderful place out there called the world. And we get the privilege and we get the, the opportunity to be in the world that Jesus has given and God has given to us. And not only do we get to have the chance to be in the world, but we get to also be messengers and we get to talk to other people about how God, yes, oh, sure, you don't want to come up and be a part of this? Come on, you can come on up here and be a part of this. All right, well, you know, one of the things that Jesus tells us is that it doesn't matter how long you've been working in the vineyard, it doesn't mean whether you come early or whether you come late. You're all going to be a part of my family and that I'm going to love you equally no matter when you come. So hey, it doesn't matter. Come on down because Jesus still loves you even now and he'll continue to love you even if you don't come down. Did you know that? Yep. It's kind of like, like those two dudes back there and I'm not picking on those guys, but you know what? If they decide to finally come up here and sit next to us, you know what? I'm going to give them the same amount of candy that you get. I'm going to give you two, two, two pieces of candy. I'm going to give you two pieces of candy. I'm going to give you two pieces, and I'm going to give you two pieces. And you know what? If they come up here, come on up. Come on up right here. <laughs> if they come up here right now, they're going to come late to the party. But you know what? I'm going to give them two pieces of candy. 
That's, that's how God works. God works that way. You know, I mean, and that's kind of strange to us, isn't it? I mean, it's like, what? You mean those dudes back there are going to get the same candy that I'm going to get? I mean, I've been up here, and I've been sitting here, and I've been listening to this pastor talk for the last five minutes, and now he's going to give me two pieces of candy, and then they're going to get two pieces of candy, and they haven't even been up here talking and listening to me. You know what I mean? But that's how God works. Yeah. God has a strange way of showing equality, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's God for you. And that's the God that we've got. And that's a pretty cool God, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Two pieces of candy. Two pieces of candy. Come on, before the getting's no good. Come on, two pieces. Come on, get them, get them, get them. And you know what? Those two dudes are going to get candy. That's right. Today our gospel reading comes to us from the 20th chapter of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning and hired people to work in the vineyard. He agreed to pay them equal for the day and sent them on their, on their way to work. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he told them, You also go and work in the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and the third hour and the eleventh hour. And he went out and still found others standing around. And he asked, Why are you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they asked. He said to them, You also go and work in the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard asked for the foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired after the eleventh hour came and received each a denarius. And so when it came time for those hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who you hired last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of our Lord. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by the same Holy Spirit, you may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I've been having this recurring thought and phrase, and it's been coming back to me more and more, because this is the third sermon, but it's been going on in my mind all week long, and it stems from that conversation that Jesus had with Peter a few weeks back when Jesus pulled Peter aside and strongly rebuked him and said, Get behind me! You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And as you may, have, may recall, I've been quoting that for the past two or three weeks, minus the week I was gone on my fishing trip. 
But I've been doing that because I've, I've been trying to continue to remind myself, along with trying to remind you again, that part of our call as followers and as believers in Christ is to keep our hearts and our minds on the things that are divine. And in many respects, that call is as old as old as the ordinance that God gave to Moses back, way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In the Jewish faith, they call it the Shema. It's a prayer that they pray every single day of their lives. And that prayer is this ordinance that God gave to Moses way back in Deuteronomy. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these things that I am commanding you today in your heart. Today is also a good day for us to remind ourselves that we don't have the same frame of mind, that we don't have the same frame of reference as God. The prophet Isaiah helps us in that regard. When he, long ago, words that were as true then as they are true now today regarding the very nature of God, Isaiah spoke and wrote these words in the 55th chapter of Isaiah. He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as I have been thinking about this text today, I've been also trying to think about and imagine the gracious generosity of God, especially in regards to God's forgiveness. And when I think about that, I'm reminded of Psalm 103, where David writes, he says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far God removes our transgressions from us. Imagine that if you can. Imagine that if you can. As far as the east is from the west, God removes our transgressions from us. I think what I'm really trying to say here, folks, is that God is beyond our comprehension, that God's graciousness, God's goodness is well beyond what we can even begin to understand and to know about God. This past Wednesday during confirmation, we went through a simple exercise, and we started with one person saying, God is, and then we asked them to use a pronoun or a, an, a word, an attribute that it was attributed to God. And then the next person in the circle would do the same thing. But they would say, yes, and God is. And we kept exercise, and we kept doing that, and we kept doing that probably for, how long did we do that, Peyton? Probably about eight or ten minutes, didn't we? Yeah, we, we, we did that for a while. I want, you to, I want you to hear what myself and Peyton and David and, Hannah and those of us who are in confirmation, I want you to hear what we came up with. God is compassionate, comforting, awesome, good, bountiful. 
Yes, and God is faithful, great, extravagant, caring, peaceful, loving, forgiving. Yes, and God is omnipotent, helpful, giving, trustworthy, magnificent, nurturing. Yes, and God is worthy, thoughtful, optimistic, mysterious, victorious, wonderful. Yes, and God is courageous, reliable, kind, smart, everlasting, master, judge, justice. Yes, and God is Yahweh, servant, amazing, suffering servant, salvation, talent. Yes, and God is lovable, righteous, responsive, holy, special, mighty, accepting, strong. Yes, and God is creator. I am sacred, happy, open. Yes, and God is sad. God is grieved. And God is important. That exercise that we did, it was all done within the context of talking about the first commandment. That's what we're doing right now in confirmation, talking about the Ten Commandments. And it was done, and it was meant to illustrate that there is only one true God. And that when we take the time to think about it, there is no other God. There is no other God in our lives that even comes close to touching the awesomeness and the graciousness of the one true God. All those other gods that somehow try to pull us away None of them, none of them even come close to touching the awesomeness and graciousness of the one true God. And you know what? That was just the beginning. We, we could have kept on going. We could have kept on going for the whole entire rest of the confirmation time. That was 54, 54 attributes that we listed in that short period of time. And I'm sure we could have come up with 250, 300 if we really worked at it. One of the themes that kept recurring in my mind this week as I was reflecting and thinking about this passage today is when it comes to considering the gracious goodness of God, when it comes to God's sense of equality, the recurring theme that kept coming back into my mind was is that Jesus always held out for the heart. Now, if I might be so bold, if I might be so bold as to say it this way, when I think of the heart of God, or when I think about the heart of Jesus, I see that heart filled with goodness and gracious generosity. And that's a pretty simple, simple explanation, really. One of my favorite writers, of course, is Deb Thomas, and I always appreciate reading her reflections. She refers to this gracious, generous goodness of God. She refers to it as the scandalous goodness of God. That God's goodness and that God's graciousness, it is so outrageous that it is, it is scandalous to us human beings. She goes on, she says that you and I, we are left, you and I are left to wrestle with this scandalous goodness that God's goodness, that it calls us to become instruments of grace even to those who offend us most deeply. And I can, I can tell you, I have a hard time. I, I, I have a hard, hard time extending grace to people who offend me deeply. It's not even within my possibility. I don't think it's even within my possibility to do that. And yet that's what God is asking us to do, to wrestle with his goodness and his scandalous grace. A goodness that asks us why we prefer, as human beings, 
why we prefer vindication over rehabilitation. She goes on, she says, it is a goodness, God's goodness and God's gracious generosity, it exposes our smallness. It exposes our stinginess, our reluctance to embrace the radical universal kingship of God who calls us to embrace goodness and gracious generosity. And so that whole recurring thought that kept coming back to my is that God's goodness and Jesus' goodness, it's always held out for the heart. Another theologian that I refer to oftentimes is a woman who is a pastor and theologian and instructor, and her name is Chelsea Harmon. She comes out of the Reformed tradition, and she makes a point about this text today that I think is worthy for our consideration and reflection. She says, when it comes to what is God's, when it comes to what is God's, namely God's grace and justice, God determines the wage. All belongs to God. And God is keen to see participants in the kingdom no matter when they take the invitation. And the way God's grace and justice flows in God's kingdom is that everyone, everyone gets what they need. Jesus concludes the parable with these words. He says, So the last will be first and the first will be last. One of the things that I have come to realize throughout my faith sojourn on this earth, and I use the word sojourn because I know that I'm only here for a temporary period of time, that none of us here are going to get off of this planet without experiencing death. But one of the things that I've come to realize throughout my faith journey and my sojourn on this earth is that I've been on this sojourn with Jesus now for most of my life, at least from what I can consciously remember. And in a certain sense, as I think back on the span of my life, now don't take this wrong, but I think of myself as being one of the first, and that I will be last. I am one of the first who will be last. Because the reality is, you know, I'm getting older, and I'm going to get older, and I'm going to continue to get older. And yet there are people out there right now, like those young people that are right here sitting in front of us today for children's message, who are sitting back there right now with Jesse in the nursery going through some, some conversation about Jesus. They are, they, are, they are the ones who are coming late to the vineyard right now. I've already come to the vineyard you and I, we've already come to the vineyard. We're one of the first ones. We've been at this for a while now, haven't we? But there's all of those ones, like those young people back there, and those, young, those two young boys sitting back there right now, and these young, young people sitting right over here. They're coming a little bit late to the vineyard, aren't they? But that's okay. Because in the overall scheme of things, in God's perspective on this, they're, they're just as loved, they're just accept, they're as much accepted, and they're going to get the same reward as you and I who've been in this vineyard for a long time. You know, think about it. You and I, some of us older folks in the place, we're, 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 we're some of the first ones in the, in the rough overall perspective of the world. And then all these young people, they're, they're, they're the ones that are coming to the vineyard late. And I have had the privilege of having this sojourn with Jesus, and it has been a life 
of lifelong faithfulness, or at least I'd like to think that it has been. I've, I've attempted in my minuscule way to be living a life of faithfulness. And if I might be so bold as to use the term great reward, one of the great rewards that I have come to realize and I have seen in my life with Jesus is I have had the privilege and I have had the honor and I have had the opportunity to see in my life of faithfulness in the vineyard, I have had the opportunity to see the goodness and the graciousness of God through the various ministries and the people that I have served with in ministry. And that includes you. That all of us, think about that. Think about that. Think about your life of faith. And think about all of the different ways that you have had the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to experience and see and experience the goodness and the graciousness of God through your work together with other people in ministry. And the longer I'm on this sojourn with Jesus, the more I'm coming to realize that you and I are called each and every day of our lives to continually be agents of God's scandalous goodness and grace, that you and I are the active participants in this equal justice that Jesus has come to live and invite us to. And because of that, we experience the joy. We experience the joy of receiving that which we don't deserve. And we name and we give thanks to God for the abundance that we've received. But it's more than that. It's even more than that. It's taking that experience of joy of receiving that which we don't deserve and it's sharing it with the acts of grace whereby God extends grace and gives a brother or a sister exactly what they need. This past week, a woman came into my office. I think it was Tuesday. Petite gal, probably not even five feet tall. And she sat in my office and she laid out her story. I'd never met this woman ever before in my life. I didn't have the slightest idea who she was. And yet she came into my office and she told me her story. She was pleading with me to somehow help her and her husband. They, they were very desperate. They were, they were, in, they were, they were just really, they, were, they, had hit, they had hit rock bottom. And they didn't have any place to go. They were going to be stuck out in the desert with nothing. And so I did a simple thing. I did a simple thing. I helped her. I helped her and her husband. And it wasn't anything big. It wasn't anything like extravagantly big. But I took the time and I helped her and her husband. And because I helped them, basically, for lack of a better term, they're on the road again, for lack of a better term. And I saw her yesterday. I saw her and her husband yesterday. And she came up to me, and of course, she's just this petite little thing. You know, and here I am, this six-foot-three pastor guy, you know. And she's looking up at me, and she's just got that look, that look of just absolute sheer gratitude and thanks. And she's just pouring out these words to me about how she can't say thank you enough for how I've helped her and her husband. And there's tears coming at her out of her eyes. And that's what I'm talking about, folks. I'm talking about the fact that the longer we sojourn with Jesus, the longer that we have the opportunity to share the graciousness and the goodness of God so that people can experience the grace and goodness of God 
like that woman and her husband. Time and time again, we have a great reward of seeing and experience God's graciousness and God's generosity in the people that we encounter and the people that we serve and the people that we love. In closing, I offer you this suggestion for you to contemplate and consider in the coming days. As you approach each and every day of your life, begin each day of your life with the realization that Jesus is once again inviting you to be with him in this vineyard, in this kingdom. And we are a part of the kingdom of God right now, here and now, in this place that God has created. And that his generosity, as I mentioned in the beginning from Isaiah 55, that his generosity is something that is beyond our comprehension. And that his thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And yet, even in spite of all that, Jesus claims us He forgives us. He says the sins and our iniquities are as far as the east is from the west. And that we are people who walk in this covenant of God's constant grace and forgiveness. And we claim that and we walk in that freedom of that grace and that forgiveness. And that invitation is something that not only Jesus extends day in and day out, just as he did in the parable of the landowner, who went out hour after hour after hour and kept extending the invitation to come and be in the vineyard and work. And you and I have the privilege of being instruments, being voices, being a living example through our actions so that others can come and taste and see and hear and see God's scandalous, nonsensical, beyond human logic grace and acceptance for those who still need to hear and experience Christ's love in their lives. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you to pray now with me the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now go forth from here, refreshed and empowered to do the ministry to which God calls you. Travel lightly if you carry within you all that you need. Be agents of God's gracious, scandalous goodness and generosity. And notice God's presence in simple everyday experiences. And whenever opportunity arises, labor for the good of all. And may the blessing and the joy of God, our creator, healer, and life giver, go with you today and always. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done. And thanks be to God.